Café in taberna. in Cathay and Taberna, where you can have the richest of Arabic or Indonesian coffees given to you by the personal favors of cardinals from Morocco or Indonesia, as is Pope Francis's want to make them such places have cardinals, such as his habit, and crystal cool water, straight uh, desalinated, as they do in Saudi Arabia, because they were once the tears of Father Thomas Reese, S.J. With me today in Café and Taberna is, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, he who no longer has a curious cat, classical theist. Hello, and it's never coming back. <laughs> um, I dread. I haven't looked at our emails yet. I think I'll do it next week. I think I'll Why do it did you week. take it away, by the way? And that's and that's and that's Monsieur Turillion, who so. By, by the way, I, I feel kind of like a fraud because I've never. I, I don't actually like coffee. I just eat all the croissants. That's okay. I don't either. That's okay. I mean, have you guys had? Uh, yeah, I I got rid of it because of autistic scrupulence. <laughs> the curious cat, not the coffee. Yeah. Right. But, exactly. Uh, have you tried cold coffee? Either of you? Mm -hmm. you know, uh, no. It, 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 it's worth it if you put some sugar in it. It really is. Um, but I that's... think I had cold, fruit, cold brew once, but I didn't like it. No, no, no. Cold brew is coffee that's brewed cold. Cold coffee is hot coffee that is chilled. It, it makes a difference. And it's also uh, only, only, uh, only uh, Turkish heathens drink coffee black. You're not supposed to do that. It's supposed... I like... I, I like I it like, when I drink it. I just don't go out of my way to I make like it. I like black coffee, but the problem is, is that there's a very, very, very brief time interval where it's not too hot and not too cold. That's and very true. You kind of have to guzzle it all in that time period, but it's it's it is it is pretty good. I have noticed I don't sleep during the day when I drink some coffee. In, anyway, in in Europe they have a better custom with a smaller cup. But let us talk about what we're going to discuss. Uh, so. On the itinerary for today, uh, we are going to discuss Pope Francis's health and the papacy's future and the future of the church, and also talk a little bit about uh, Vaticanista subjects and papal politics and the potential next pope's pope uh, and what he will post, and also talk about why the water that uh, we are enjoying tonight is the desalinated tears of uh, Father Thomas Reese. Yes. And uh <laughs> and then uh we will give a little bit of an update and some more some more commentary on the controversy of Father Altman, the uh MAGA boomer Catholic folk shaman as I call him. Uh Actually, I have some comments to give that we didn't manage to do in our pre-show meeting to give. Um and then uh in addition to that, we're uh 
probably going to talk a little bit about another new Home Files things. Yes, June's over, but they don't stop. <laughs> they don't stop writing. Well, in Canada, uh, in, in my particular area of Canada, Pride Month is in August. Oh, I see. So this is... I never, I never get to escape. So this is pre-Pride Month, huh? Okay. Why don't we talk about Eve Tushnet just really quick, just to get it out of the way, and then we can move on to, because I guess Eve Tushnet wrote an article, and this can be our our closing of the of of the gay stuff for a while. Okay. So is is it a is it a woman or a man? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> it, it honestly does look like someone who um, has transitioned. Is this no no? Are you asking a serious question? No, yeah, I am. You're I not just being derived. Okay, know. no, Eve. Eve is a woman. Eve identifies as a lesbian. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. But uh, it, it does like she. It, does it, look she like looks a guy. conspicuously male. It's like, a, yeah. No, I think but, I think. But, she... but female enough that like, I, I I could see it being, I, I could see her being born female, but I, I'm not. I'm not like, I, I was best. convinced it was um, an MTF, but when I read the article and I saw, like, that elephant in the room wasn't even mentioned, I figured, I, I guess not. Yeah, yeah, no insults here. It's a genuinely, um, it's easy to not be sure in this day and age. Um, no, Eve, is, Eve has been active. Tushnet's been active for a very long time. I shouldn't call her Eve. Um, yeah, one of my uh, friends... Uh was was actually a fan at one point well like another reason but why i thought it was an mtf was because uh she named herself eve yeah it became more trad thankfully oh man yeah but uh this was a red uh, an article i i posted to our uh our bulletin board and i was like oh maybe we'll talk about this and i proceeded to not read it uh, but you both read it. I skimmed it a little bit, but uh, apparently Catholic News Agency, as reported by the Register, had a little chat with Eve Tushnet. Why don't you guys tell us about that? Why don't you regale me with her, with what she yeah. says? Well, the first thing I want to say is that it's kind of a disgrace that that um, CNA like reached out to her in this way. And that the National Catholic Register, which is which usually has pretty strong conservative credentials, picked it up because some of the questions that were being asked to her were so, I think, obviously uh, capitulating toward the even some elements of like Father James Martinism that that it it, it makes me wonder if if uh, conservative if, if mainstream conservative Catholicism has, uh, are, if, if it's undergoing like a, a significant uh, paradigm shift on this issue in, in, in like a horrible way, because like some of the questions that were asked to her were, were, was like, it, it presupposed the legitimacy of, homophobia as a real thing for example yeah uh so so for context eve wrote uh, i keep calling her eve i don't know i've been infected by the casual spirit of the world dr horvat from traditional inaction is going to pray the imprecatory psalm against me for being so casual and a crypto communist i like tradition in action but that's just a joke for those of you that read them um 
Tushnet, Miss Tushnut, uh, wrote for America Magazine, the official publication of the Jesuits in the United States of America, uh, that a article titled Conversion Therapy is Still Happening in Catholic Spaces and Its Effect on LGBT People Can Be Devastating. Uh, and uh, there is one reference to uh, to uh, Milo Yiannopoulos um, being and her basically saying, you know, uh, that oh people are going to dismiss it as fringe, but then she like her concern grows by saying how cons you know reparative therapy is still mainstream, and I guess CNA wrote published. That, that reparative therapy, Tushnet is concerned that reparative therapy is still discussed in center-right Catholic circles. Um, CNA did an article criticizing her, and then they did an interview with her, which is what you guys read, which you've told said is disgusting, so I'm excited to hear what the contents are. Um, yeah, so I, I guess what I just want to say about it or one thing that I want to say about it is she seems to do her best to sound as orthodox as she can, you know, make, make as many theological qualifiers and, and nuances as, as possible to, um, to, I guess, hide some of the underlying I think grave anthropological errors that 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 she's uh, tacitly pushing yeah. and um, I, I I guess it, it it's just another iteration of I think like conservative uh, Catholics almost deifying or maybe maybe that's not the right word but groveling before um celibate homosexuals and simply allowing their entire um fundamentally flawed anthropology to uh become baptized simply because they're they, they they just happen to be avoiding overt um, sexual sins i'm just gonna reiterate something that i've said already before on uh my twitter if that's all right yeah look man having wanting to screw guys as a guy wanting to screw girls as a girl does not give you special same-sex friendship powers okay yeah doesn't. doesn't sodomy is not intimacy the desire for sodomy is not intimacy it's the ultimate subversion of intimacy there is i have there is more intimacy okay same-sex intimacy between me and the least of my male friends than there is between me and the most committed of gay couples period yeah and, and that that, that is that... Back, huh? <laughs> and that really, I think, um, touches on one of the gravest errors that, that she uh, brings up in this interview, <clears throat> which is this, which is this whole thing about 
so-called same-sex love, which she's insistent is, you know, holy and righteous and wonderful and and and, and totally in, in in harmony with um, you know, the virtues of charity and beneficence and and a friendship and, and et cetera, et cetera. And it seems to me what 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 she's really doing is conflating um what is in reality just friendship <laughs> with uh a i guess strictly non-sexual yet inescapably sexually charged same-sex relationship uh, I, I and and I think it just is worth reiterating what should be obvious, which is um, it's not just like little sexual acts between members of the same sex that are prohibited. Um, what's also prohibited would be the near occasion of sin surrounding certain uh, romantic feelings that are allowed to be blossomed concerning um, long-term periods of company keeping and uh, certainly it would rule out uh, cohabitation because if you look at any old moral theology manual what it will tell you is that if if, if you have two people who are sexually attracted to each other and and a, they're not married. B, uh, there, there, there's no possible ordering of their uh, attraction toward a uh, natural and morally licit end. Then, the more intimate those people try to be together, the the the, the more like the greater the likelihood a a, a sinful near occasion of sin is going to be sustained and it just seems like these these very obvious distinctions that are um very clear for like regular straight discerning young catholics is is, is somehow given somehow obfuscated and 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 not even not even really brought up by 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 the uh CNA uh, interviewers, right? And, and I, I think it's just it, it's it's just scandalous. Uh, yeah, completely. And I mean, and this isn't she's not some small fish. In 2015, in the Crisis magazine, uh, so if people go and watch Into Berna episode five, uh, Cafe's Zero episode titled homophilic h-o-m-o-f-e-e-l-i-c uh which was this format's this show's first appearance uh, where we really did an in-depth discussion about this unfortunate and um but i talked about the crisis magazine articles and uh deacon jim uh, russell of st louis missouri i don't know if he's still there but deacon jim did a good article in uh, March 11, 2015, called Gay and Catholic Lands at Life Team, A Yes or a Mess, which, of course, he gives uh, critiques of um, Tushnet's 
presentation to um, Life Teen. Uh, and she got to po make a post at the Youth Ministry Apostolate blog for Life Teen. So, like, she's, you know, uh, not, you know, they, they, they get around. They get around. And um, in episode zero, we, uh, we, we, we already, you know, discuss uh, quite, quite a lot this issue. Um, but so I think you're right that there is in conservative Catholicism kind of a softening up on this issue specifically because of, and you know, and they're going to be like, yay, we're, we're winning. And so, but the, the other part of this is, is that, you know, the, the, the Latin mass movement, the traditionalist movement, that's gaining traction too. And those people right. are not going to go along with this. I almost wonder if part of the problem is or part of the culprit for this might be the softening on social issues that is happening with the whole MAGA movement. And, mm -hmm. you know, when, when there's a total lack of, um, of, uh, of, of like a political outlet for authentic, uh, socially conservative stances, then it, it kind of becomes difficult to sustain that in the purely religious sphere. Because, because there's been so much um, allowances being made um, for like various homosexuals in like the political sphere, such as like uh, Rick Grinnell or or even Milo Yiannopoulos before he like uh, significantly changed his uh, his lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, his whole deal now is 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 um, promoting reparative therapy. Right, right, exactly. But I, I'm I'm saying before he uh, before he made these um, uh, significant changes to his to his life. Uh, a lot of just regular conservative Catholics who latched onto the MAGA movement, I think they internalized, unfortunately, a lot of um, subtle allowances for homosexual acceptance. Yeah, and and we're not necessarily talking about like um, because you know there's a, it's a there's a broad political coalition even within you know uh, Catholics involved in politics or Catholics politically engaged. And so like people who listen to Taylor Marshall or someone like that, for example, are probably less likely, but there are people who are, you know, basically encountered Milo and that, that softened them up. And what's interesting is that Milo actually posted in his telegram once that he said that face, when you realize that you're directly responsible for Lady Maga and God will hold you accountable for it. Yeah, so he he's definitely trying to like right those wrongs, but but I mean the damage has been done not not solely by him, but to a large extent by others, even by Trump himself. But um, but yeah, I think it has negatively impacted specifically the Catholic conservative world. So so how was so the the CNA basically conceded a, a basically the orientation right from the get go. It seems that way. I mean, there definitely doesn't seem didn't seem to be much pushback discernible there. 
Yeah. I mean, what's unfortunate to me, I guess, just to like wrap up on uh, on this is, like I was trying to say a little bit earlier, um, the mere fact that somebody like Eve is is presenting herself as like celibate and like refraining from overt homosexual activity, what that kind of does is it totally disarms like the conservative catholic the conservative catholic completely uh just th- throws him or herself into their arms allowing uh not even engaging in any kind of like scrutiny of their moral categories or philosophical categories or anthropological categories all they care about is the fact that they're not engaging in homosexual activity uh and, and and therefore they're fit to be like a a a, a Saint Paul level evangelist, and then we just got to let them tell their story when that's really not true. Like these people are bringing with them a lot of baggage, a lot of um, flawed thinking, a lot of uh, philosophical and anthropological errors, and they need to be scrutinized. Like I, I'm sorry refraining from homosexuality from homosexual activity is great but it's not sufficient and 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 it's it's all the more i think it it was all the more apparent to me when 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 she said you know courage which for those of you who don't know is like it was a is like an apostolate started by father paul scalia to actually help same-sex attracted people completely overcome their uh, temptations and, and, and live a, a a Catholic lifestyle without affirming the orientation as like a, a as an ontologically positive uh, identity that's good in itself. Um, I think they do a lot of great work. But, you know, she's saying that courage is great, but, you know, there are other ways of going about this other than courage. Well, what does that mean? It's obviously like it's trying to shoehorn in the the homophile approach which unfortunately cna um i think has succumbed to yeah at least at least for the sake of this interview where it's like you know but it's it's because like no one wants battle lines it's like oh you you believe in like the real presence of the eucharist too you know um i think it's i'm thinking about a couple things right now and and one thing i'll say uh as my own closing thoughts on this is like you know take you know, E. Michael Jones's work about basically the destruction of ethnic Catholic America and slaughter of cities and all of his various many video interviews about it. Uh, we're still recovering from that. Basically, like the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, I would say, you know, it, it was like a, a double strike of Vatican II and the ethnic cleansing of, of you know, Catholics in major mostly northern cities, um, you know, through African-American migration uh, was, was how that happened. Um, Blockbusting and all that. De- definitely, by the way, read Nightmare Vision's recent Fred on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, that, that's very good. It's, it's excellent. I've, I saved it as a thread reader, and I'm going to save it as a PDF. It's so good. Uh, I love that guy so much. We're going to have him on the show eventually, uh, as soon as I uh, get my act together. Um, but the 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 destruction of basically catholic community in the united states um and all of the craziness from vatican ii 
led to the situation where Catholics, and I honestly think, no joke, I think this all weird thing on the internet is the first signs of, a, of recovery. Mm-hmm. Of, of like, you know, um, so-called racist Catholics with, you know, uh, young Pope Avies and, you know, anime Catholic Twitter and, you know, certain um, certain reactionary internet personalities. Uh, it's It's really the first inklings of Catholic identity kind of getting back up on its feet. And I'm, I'm completely serious about this. People can say I'm crazy, but I, I 100% believe this. I think, I think that's going to deserve its own. I mean, I mean, if, if you want at least some indication that these are not just delusions of grandeur, just look at uh, any of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's videos on YouTube and look at how ratioed they are. <laughs> right, e- e- exactly. <laughs> That's not something you would have seen by, like, before 2015. Things are changing. Uh, I don't think we're going to win. But things are changing, at least. Well, God wins. We just have to. We just have to survive. I but... think it's important to just note that um, among those who are um, resistant to do like those kinds of things, like the, the the Canadian Channel or whatever, they are, I think, large. They are largely pure in their. Um, in their status as authentically reactionary, even as that uh, block of resistance becomes a smaller minority going forward. Yeah, it'll be, we might not be the the majority in the population, but we will uh, be like a diamond, impossible to crack. Um, be like the Bene Gesserit controlling things from behind the scenes <laughs> a selective breeding program to create, create the, the ultimate racist <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate racist Catholic by combining bloodlines the, over generations the, the, the Stuart Bourbon Hatsburg um, oh my gosh that would be the greatest thing ever but um so but what I was what I'm saying is Vatican II and ethnic deracination um um, we should do a whole show about this because I have some, some thoughts. But um, it created this atmosphere, though. Ethnic deracination, Vatican II, doctrinal chaos. And what happened is it basically made it that, like, Catholics, ethnic Catholics, Catholics who had, you know, the culture that the faith was their culture, their culture was the faith, to, you know, modify Belloc's book title. They didn't have the confidence to really fight culture war anymore. And so what happened, and what really is a hallmark of conservative Catholicism, even going back to, like, the foundations of Catholic Answers in the 70s, um, was a fetishism. And th- this is very dangerous. There was, like, an article a couple years ago. And I'm going to say, first of all, I'm going to say my point, and I'm going to qualify it really quick. But what happened was conservative Catholicism has a hallmark of fetishizing the outsider, in particular, Protestant converts. Now, I'm, yes. qual- I'm qualifying this. I love my Protestant converts. You know, you're all great. Stop. Be- well, you're 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 a, you're you're like a recently re-added link to the chain. Mm-hmm. You know, is your parents that? Um, anyway. Oh yeah, hey, hey, moving on. But uh, the uh, 
I love I love our Protestant converts and particularly like our true like you know your ancestors have been Protestant for like 200 500 years Protestant con- converts uh, please stop being Byzantine just go to the Latin mass or the Anglican ordinate thank you uh, your Catholic ancestors in purgatory and heaven will thank you uh, but that said being how much I like converts and how good it is to convert what happens when you have a cultural milieu in the United States of being overly enthusiastic and telling the story of the 10 billion the, the 10 millionth Protestant minister that converted over and over and over and over again they become the cultural vanguard of conservative Catholicism in a way that yes. does, and so like I mean look at Catholic answers like who were their head apologists yeah there you had Patrick Coffin but even when Patrick Coffin was there it was Jimmy Aiken former evangelical Tim Staples former assemblies of God Trent Horn who is now the head apologist there and he is from a secular Jewish household um uh and so what this what this does is it's like that's for another time about my concerns about what's happened to, to Catholic culture and 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 but and why this nascent online ethnic Catholic revival, because that's kind of what it is, is good. So, so, so I guess you're saying is like, let me let me get. Let me, I'll, this, go oh, ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. See if you can draw it out. I was wondering if you if you were gonna connect this fetishization of the outsider to the the homophiles. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Is that it? It creates that Catholics already have this idea of. Um, with more Protestant converts and like Carl Keating writing Catholicism and fundamentalism, you have this moment basically where um, John Paul II's papacy in particular really softened a lot of Protestant hearts, which was a good thing, which was a good thing. Um, you know, J- JP2's witness, which was true sanctity, showed American Protestants, oh, they're not mystery babylon they actually love jesus what does this mean but it it created that situation of fascination with the outsider and so you even had like ethnic catholics saying oh we need to like get to protestants and so when you take that that vibe and that milieu and you just let it go down like 70 80 9 30 40 years later you get ave tushnet and it's because it's like, well, she says that she believes in Jesus too. She says that she believes in the Eucharist. Um, we're all Christians here. We're all Catholics here. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's okay. And the, the mechanics of what's going behind the scenes about why Life Teen and um, Catholic News Agency are falling for this in the United States, I would say is it's really conservative Catholicism having at its roots crypto-Protestantism. It's kind of like how, like, Assembly of God converts bring in the baggage of, of like, their their charismatic renewal uh, liturgical preferences, except here it's, like, gay people bringing in their, like... Their snowflake identity. Yeah, yeah, like like the baggage of, of their warped se- sexual anthropology. And, and, and so, like... You know, we talked about this in episodes in Cafe Zero, Interbarna Episode 5, Cafe Zero, homophilic, um, that, you know, the new homophiles talk about basically this 
the, the orientation giving them superpowers and you know making them better christians yeah that's that's all interesting thoughts actually i think that crypto protestantism and like a fetishization of the outsider i think that's something we should probably talk about more um and it's not to offend anybody it's just you know a thought uh but uh i guess let's move on um do you want to do father altman or do you want to talk about the francis papacy uh we, we can briefly touch on uh father altman first uh, is, uh are you okay with that Trillian? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll pass that mic to you, to again, CT. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't exactly have, like, an update on, like, Father Father Altman's situation, like, in, t- in terms of, like, what, what new um, canonical restrictions he, he might be dealing with at the moment. But I guess what I kind of want to talk about a little bit... Um, with, with with you guys is this this new i guess emergence among or i, I guess i could say that this new uh, strain of uh, father altman criticism that's specifically coming from the right and so it, it it seems like what what is emerging from this crowd is is what I, I think is kind of like a logical extension, a logical outgrowth of of precisely the same problem that that we've been identifying previously, which is um, hyper magisterial rigorism, papal positivism. Um, you know, I we think... can name names. <laughs> right, well, I, I guess I'll just just finish diagnosing the problem. But, like, a, um, a caricatured concept of, of, of the obedience that act, that's actually due to prelates. And I, I, I guess we can name names. Right. So, uh, you, uh... I'm actually quite angry at UCT because you revealed to me just how much of an extremist I am. Be- be- yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this before the show. I would, I would rather have, so it wasn't that bad. And I, I appreciated some of their comments, but like, basically I, I found, you know, listening to like the red scare prop podcast or like Amy Teresa and what is left less, less annoying to me than um some of the milieu of this and what, I, and what i'm talking about is um kevin simons and michael Lo- lofton rather it should be michael lofton kevin simons stream um regarding the father altman situation and their diagnosis of it at, which i believe that it aired a day ago it aired yesterday yeah, last night and they talked about it and you you told me to watch it and you're like uh, you know they're co- totally just like thinking the bishop is all all on all the right and i'm like i don't want to watch this and so i listened to it today um and i just i just found it kind of annoying and a little bit tedious all love to them all charity um but i just i thought that the the angle that they were coming at was kind of oblivious 
and I mean, maybe you can you can speak to the content of it since you were the originator. Of... Yeah, yeah. So, so, like, I, I guess I want to preface by saying I have you know nothing against uh, Lofton or Simons. I think that you know they do a lot of great work. I was on Lofton's show. I think he does a lot of wonderful work in terms of exposition, in terms of apologetics, um, even in terms of um, some. I I think warranted critiques of, uh, I, I I guess we could call it um, Vatican to denialism wholesale, you know. Uh, so I do appreciate very much, fundamentally and directionally, what uh, Lofton brings to the table. But well, that being said, I I think that um, while I take some of their criticisms of, uh, I guess we could say, Father Altman's lack of theological refinement and perhaps lack of temperamental refinement, um, which maybe we could get into in a minute. But I do take those criticisms. What's what's very unfortunate uh, to me is that they it, it's just the tone deafness with regard to the general situation, uh, the, the, the general state of the episcopate and how um, the treatment that, that, that uh, Father Altman is, is getting for his, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, we, should, we could just recognize them as like minor uh, temperamental and theological uh, infractions. Um, it's, the, the, the treatment he's getting is just, I think, should, should be recognized as as totally unjust and unfair. You know, like, he's, we, we should at least recognize that um, we, we're utterly lacking as a church um, in, 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 in shepherds who are going to proclaim uh, really any fundamental catholic truth about uh, marriage and the family or or um the, the voting for immoral catholic politicians and the, the modern anti uh, the modern iconoclasm with like blm and all that yeah yeah i mean I, th I think that's important i mean i think some of the criticism of father altman is that he's being overly political uh at, at the pulpit and while yeah, i can kind of political and while i can like having listened to some of his sermons i can kind of understand uh that criticism because he's he doesn't really approach much of it from a spiritual or, or theological uh, angle he's he's kind of just ranting and raving a bit and i do understand that i i think one can criticize that as being a bit too uh, unrefined uh, perhaps somewhat unbecoming of of, of a pastor um Nevertheless, uh, we 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 can't be we can't be too picky right now. I mean, we we really don't have hardly any priests who are who are publicly um, speaking out against um, uh, things like that. And I think at the very least, we have to recognize that the, the persecution that he's getting 
from on high, from, from, from the Episcopate, is obviously politically charged. It's obviously politically motivated. Uh, it, I really don't think that you can tell me with a straight face that that um, the criticisms that um, the the bishops who are going after him have, and the criticisms that we might have are in any way the same. Right, like Massimo Fagioli, for instance, um, hates him because he's center right. Period. And because he is he is an impediment by speaking loudly that he is an impediment, he's an impediment to progressive Catholicism and to things like ideas like doctrinal development even, or rather like even like, you know, that, that the ideas that like the church can change, not so much to like the development of dogma, which when to discuss has to be very, 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 very qualified, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but like... Massimo Fagioli, uh, Father Thomas Reese, who we're going to talk about in a minute, um, they distest Father Altman because they rightly they see him as an enemy to their agenda, which is their agenda is, you know, Steve Bannon isn't just some spooky, like, you know, Irish goblin. You know, he's not like just some like Irish Mick Ogre that's trying to like do evil fiendish things. Um, he's right about a lot of things, and why I break up Bannon is that people like Reese, people like Fagioli, people like um, others, they're on board with people who have the same the, the agenda of the Clintons and right. of Fauci and of Biden and of the Democrat Party. And it was one of the one thing that they said in the there's there's a couple things I take severe issue with that I think show obliviousness and. I've I've watched a lot of Lofton stuff, but I just I just don't agree with the direction that he's gone in recently. I think it's ridiculous. I don't think it makes sense. Um, and I'm not going to talk. I don't need to go into why. I, I I don't need to go into more detail than that because maybe we can do another stuff on that and maybe even talk to him someday. Um, but one of the things that Kevin Simon said, who is, you know, a great writer, is a great researcher. He does a lot of really good stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that he is, he has the theologian's trap. And it is always of specifically a certain conservative or high conservative or apolitical traditionalist theology student, which is that they think that they're above politics. You know, he talked about Fulton Sheen's talking about how, you know, we're too preoccupied with light and right, right and left. We need to talk about above and below. What's the contents of Fulton Sheen saying that? The context is that Fulton Sheen saw ethnic Catholic America getting torn apart by social engineering during the war against communism, and he wanted there to be Catholic unity. But guess what? It happened. The church is divided ideologically, and as horrible as that is, there are certain ideological camps, political theological subcultures that are more in line with orthodoxy than not. Does that mean that like they are completely correct about everything? No, and I'm of course talking about conservatives. And you know, we just got done con criticizing conservative Catholics, right? Um, but the specific thing Kevin said that I want to touch on is that he said that you know it's it's he's too political and he basically said that 
you know, he ta- he calls bishops by uh, their first name. And it's like, okay, he was angry. Maybe that's disrespectful, but I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give it back to you for a second. Um, give me a minute to find what I actually want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with what you're saying, which is I, I think that in trying to be perceived as... Um, or genuinely trans- attempting to right yeah yeah uh of, of of being like transcendent of of political factions in in the church um they uh they they, they blow way out of proportion what well, might be like legitimate uh infractions on on, on part of father altman but what they end up doing is, is is they run the risk of relativizing what I think are very clear cut um, uh, distinctions between these factions, which is as much as we might be able to criticize uh, Father Altman's temperament, as much as we might be able to criticize Father Altman's lack of theological refinement, um, these excesses, are, are 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 not cannot be considered um, equally uh, excessive as like your your average liberal uh, Catholic prelate. The excesses of the average liberal prelate veer off far into. Uh, heresy and error and um and, and, and categories of error that that undermine the very foundations of the catholic faith whereas the excesses of, of father altman are um are issues that that if if, if corrected um wouldn't fundamentally alter the 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 directionality of, of of where father altman is taking his ministry which is directionally uh, toward the good right and i mean there is a there are other pre you know like so i, I remembered what i was going to say which was that um kevin simon's comments on how like you know you can be uh, he said that you know Father Altman's saying that you can't be a Catholic and a Democrat um, was like inflammatory, and that there's possibly some Catholic Democrats who I better American Solidarity yeah, Party. Maybe if they never vote ever. <laughs> right. It's like okay, so you have people who identify as Catholic Democrats, but they vote for Republicans, and they've been voting for Republicans the past since Reagan. Yeah. So. They're still Democrat because they have a picture of Kennedy on their wall, and they're a little nostalgic. Like, I, how how would anybody who's living in the real world be be be, be the least bit scandalized or confused by what Father Altman is trying to say when he says you cannot be Catholic and a Democrat? The Democrat Party's platform is 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 intrinsically ordered toward. Not only the promote, and this is, it kind of upsets me that they only focus on abortion, um, because they're not only promoting abortion; they're also promoting 
uh, foundational attacks on marriage and the family uh, at their core. They're, they're also tr- trying to criminalize effectively the, um, the mere propagation of the faith by way of hate speech legislation. Okay. Like it's not just, it's not just a, a prudential application of, of abortion policy. And, and so what, what the, the other thing is, you know, Lofton who, this is probably going to start a beef, but uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I love you, Michael. Please don't go after me with your Krav Maga skills, okay? Like, you know, you don't have to kill me or anything. Um, that's a... Look, I mean, I, I'd be open to, like, discussing if, if like, we could both discuss this with him. I think it's I think it would be fruitful. I think he's an honest guy. I think he yeah. is trying to do what's what's best for the church. It's, it's just, I think... I think it's important to air disagreements like this in public because you can reach a synthesis that'd be healthy. Hopefully. Um, But, you know, he said, you know, people calling out the hypocrisy, which he said is bad. He's not saying he's minimizing it. It is bad. I would argue even though he's saying that he's not minimizing it, he is minimizing it by talking about Altman in this way. Um, But he... Nevertheless, his stated purpose, he said, it is bad, the hypocrisy of bishops in not disciplining people like Father James Martin, who is protected by very powerful people. Kevin Simons has been working uh, this beat of, you know, apparitions research, and he's worked for diocese even, I believe. And he's been told personally, he said in the stream, that very powerful people protect James Martin. Well, yeah, of course. Everyone knows that. Um, Could read between the lines. And Simons knows directly. But Lofton says it's like two children saying, you know, it's like Goofus and Gallant, right? You have Goofus and Gallant. Uh, people might not remember, might know what I'm talking about if you're, it'll date you and or you're a reader of the old art of manliness. But Goofus and Gallant. So you have Goofus who is like being a bad kid and like, you know, he like writes chalk on the wall. But like uh, he doesn't get in trouble because his, his, his mom... Uh, is just like, oh, that's so creative, Goofus. You keep going doing that. But and Gallant is like, you know, Gallant though he like, um, he 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 gets into a fight with a bully that bullied his little sister, and uh, and so his mom sends Gallant to bed without supper. And you know, I'm I'm obviously loading the question right, but like, we we'll just say that Gallant got into a shouting mat with someone, and then like he he hit him, or he called them like a, a shithead or something. He was mean, and the mom punishes Gallant for using bad language and being mean to someone who was being mean to his little sister, that he a little overboard. But Goofus gets off scot free for chalking the walls with crayon, and you know Lofton's like it's just two children, one complaining. What and it's like okay, the difference is with the two children is that one child actually is trying to do the right one thing. One person's trying to set the house on fire. That yeah, that's better. It's not yeah, it's, it's not it's not scribbling on the walls. It's it's like trying to create house fires. It's decapitating the cat. It's it, it's it's like it's like trying to poison uh, your dad. The, the, the mother's drinks, okay? Like <laughs> these, these are not remotely analogous excesses. And that's the fundamental heart of my criticism 
is that I, I understand that he does admit that liberal excess is objectively worse, uh, but 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 I don't think he's he, he's temperamentally consistent with with that admission. You know, I, th I think if if you really were temperamentally in harmony with that admission, you would your criticisms of of, of Father Altman would would just be criticisms of Father Altman, criticisms of his of his uh, of his um, temperamental. Uh, lack of refinement, his his theological lack of ref of refinement. I don't think, uh, I, I I don't think it's it's prudent to necessarily um, start supporting his canonical punishment. Okay, <laughs> even though you have legitimate criticisms of him, because it's it, to support the canonical punishment. I think what 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 it does is in effect it it legitimizes the this i guess hypocrisy that we're talking about but it's worse than hypocrisy it's 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 like anarcho tyranny within yeah. the church where you know there's there's tyranny but there are no laws right you know that's 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 fundamentally what that's about and um, what you know, Kevin Simons then says something um, that I I just found to be kind of a, a little bit, you know, in talking about like the you know virtue is the middle between new means like effeminacy and pertinacity, and it's like okay, okay, whatever. Like in in the church militant video, Episcopal carpet bombing, uh, Altman call says that whoever uh, modified the collect is a modernist and simons gets kind of incensed the, the he gets the incensed the most in this because he says he's calling cardinal sarah a modernist and this is where i'm going to say what i think of altman i don't think father altman's a brilliant guy i don't think he even knows <laughs> no he does i i don't think he knows who he's i think that he would probably have like he'd be like well, that was cardinal sarah and so, like, and then another thing that Lofton said was he said, like, you know, if people don't know the difference between different levels of magisterial uh, uh, authority, then, you know, you, they're, they're not worth, they're not serious, they're not worth talking to. And it's like, go on to anime Catholic Twitter, Twitter bro, and read the hundreds of horror stories of priests in the confessional telling you, oh, that's not a sin. Oh, I think you're a little bit too rigid, son. And that if you even tried to talk to them about Ludwig, about Ott or Denzinger, that they would have no idea what the heck, what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Sententia like, fide? Levels of ascent? What are you talking about, son? Yeah, it's true. Not, not, not to mention that scholars of the magisterium themselves don't agree about the different levels of magisterium anyway, so it's like... It's like... I mean, look, I mean, if you take, like, uh, Below seriously, who is who's probably, like, one of the most preeminent magisterial theologians of, like, the early uh, uh, 20th century, uh, if you take him seriously, then, like, 90% of encyclicals are all infallible. Okay, like, there are great divergences on uh, theology of the magisterium that we can't expect a lowly parish priest who, I mean, and I say this with respect, uh, 
is already somewhat theologically unsophisticated to an extent uh, to to necessarily master. And and going back to this issue of, of uh, him uh, critiquing the collect, uh-huh. I, I think if he understood that uh, Car- that Cardinal Seurat's uh, uh, addendum or or uh, modification was is is simply to be more faithful to the Latin, he would have no problem with it. Yeah, and you know, so you know, Steve. <clears throat> Simon's brought up Steve Skojek's comments in his against crippled religion, and I'm not going to personally attack Skojek. Um, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I think Skojek is Blech. so yeah, and but um, <laughs> you know uh, Skojek's just like well you know he's in front of a camera and he's not following his his um, his his mission. Uh, and, you know, it's really suspect because he's just a political pundit telling people who they want to hear. And it's like, bro, bro, Bishop Barron is c- promoting Gloria Purvis, who is promoting critical race theory now. Okay? <laughs> and Bishop Barron has a much bigger... And, and it, it's it's the thing where it's like, let's just let's have some perspective here. What is What does Father Altman say? He's kind of mean. Like, he's kind of, you know, temerarious. Okay, and like, does that well, really it... w- warrant? Is, and let me let me before you go, let yeah, me illustrate please. how bad this is. Uh, Father Kalchak, the priest who opposed Cardinal Supich in Chicago, knows about Saint Luke's. I always forget where Saint Luke's is, but it's the mental hospital where they send priests. But they don't just send priests who have bad, who have issues. It's basically a prison as well. That if you cross the bishops enough, that they will basically just make shit up on your mental health record and say that you're bipolar or schizophrenic or that, like, you did, like, that you were violent or something. They will either use Jesuitical reasoning or they will outright fabricate mental illness to ensure that you stay confined there forever. I'm not saying that Bishop Callahan is going to do that. I don't think so. I think Bishop Callahan is just, his excellency is a bit of a coward. Okay, that's my assessment of the situation, frankly. Um, but that does happen to people, okay? Yeah. And he's probably being pressured to do it. Yeah, and, and so... And so, to, to kind of insinuate... I don't know if Kevin was... was, was in, Kevin Simons was uh, insinuating this... But it's like, well, you know, who discovered him? What's Alpha News? And it's like, okay, you're suspicious. Are you? Is it that you're suspicious of the vast right wing conspiracy? Are you afraid that Steve Bannon and his racist ninjas are trying to like train Father Altman to be like to go into like the other arm of the Mecca that Vigano is going to pilot from the brain to destroy the God, Vatican? I wish that were. I God, that sounds so much cooler than the reality. <laughs> It's 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 gonna be Vigano in the head, and Father Altman's gonna be the right arm. Like Bishop Williamson is the secret weapon. Yeah, he's gonna he's he's driving the he's driving the 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 vehicle that's actually the sword. Um, it's you know I'm I'm obviously Power Rangers Voltron Evangelion, uh, more Voltron than anything. But it's like that's not I'm being 
silly, but that's because it's how I don't know if Kevin Simons was making that implication. That's what it seemed like to me. I apologize if it isn't. But like being like, well, you know, he's on front of a camera. Who discovered him? He was just a parish priest. And it's like, I don't think that. And, 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 you know, there's other Catholics that are actually COVID skeptics and people that people like. Lofton and that people have attacked reason and theology and people that have attacked Steve Skojek and I'm thinking about one guy in particular who I will not name right now because I don't want to have that interesting evening on Twitter but he probably knows who he is if he discovers this then whatever but this type of person who there are rad trads who love Vigano that are suspect skeptical of Trump and Bannon and think that they were actually secret agents of the NWO or something right because of promoting the vaccine um but so but there's this suspicion of these political things and it's like you know people like congressman gozar and people like uh ron desantis are your friends these are the people that are going to prevent the hyde amendment from burning as it is now these are the people that are going to prevent legislation that will mandate compliance to officiating same-sex marriage and you know people are always like oh christians in america are such wusses christians in the third world experience real persecution every day and they don't and it's like dude people are getting their first amendment rights taken away from them and it's like oh boo-hoo this person had their 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 cake shop taken away from them because they wouldn't you know bake the cake for the gay people that's so sad look at these poor iraqi children it's like, like okay dissidents are literally in solitary confinement yes that's the, and i'm saying look yeah sure one thing's worse but we're gonna get there oh you're being hysterical no i'm not being financially ruined having your voice silenced um, being threatened with going into, like, for priests with essentially permanent pr imprisonment in a mental health center, that's all real. And what's important is, like, after Trump lost, all of these things that are going to support the family, support religious liberty, yes, we're reactionary and we know that that's bad, but, you know, even Cardinal Ottaviani said that you can use, the church must do what she must to preserve her liberty. The people that are doing that are people like Bannon and DeSantis and Congressman Gozar. And so being suspicious of like, oh, well, who, who, who discovered Father Altman for what political agenda? You know, I don't, I don't like politics in my church. Oh, you know, and, and it's just like, yeah, okay, you were, are, are you the type of person that would have had uh, obedience to Innocent the Eighth, the Ninth Trillion? Who betrayed the Irish and the Scottish and the Catholic English? How about John the Twelfth? Yeah, Innocent the Eleventh, who you know was having a spat with the King of France and his paranoia about Gallicanism. He's like, well, I I don't want a Catholic king on the floor, throne of England. I'm going to throw my support behind <laughs> William of Orange. It's actually so sad because he was otherwise such an incredible pope and he's a blessed, right? There was a, like a cause for his canonization, but that revelation like has basically closed it indefinitely. You want to talk about people that I won't venerate? Watch, that's, <laughs> that's going to be my, that's going to be my purgatory is I'm going to have to like wash his shoes or something. <laughs> but um, 
Hey, it's it's okay, it's okay. I also had to go through the purgatory for supporting a William of Orange. I had to uh, wash the shoes of, uh, I don't know, someone else who's based. Of of <laughs> of of the of the Earl of Tyconnell or something. Um, <laughs> you know, to discover that all of these wild Irish chieftains have a higher seat at the table than this. Po- anyway, I'm being ethno-narcissistic, but politics have always been in the church. And trying to pretend that, like, oh, we need to just focus on the faith. And so that is actually... Well, what was the ne- the known expedite all about? I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's such a, like... It's, to depoliticize the church is to uh, decatholicize the church. And, you know, our, we do have criticism father of Father Altman. Father Altman, I think Bishop Barron has a higher IQ than him. But I still like Father Altman more. He's more on my side. I think that Bishop Barron is a nicer person. Father Altman is still on my side more. And it's like, you want to talk about political theology, let's just talk about the friend-enemy distinction and Carl Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, speaking of Bishop Barron's IQ, I think sadly he He's probably higher IQ than most of like the luminary, like like the major clerics who support us. It's true. I mean, yeah, he, he's definitely higher IQ than a Vigano. But again, we have Vigano's to. Vigano's our friend. Well, we we have we have to ask ourselves: Are these personal virtues and personal aptitudes? Um, how valuable are they if they're not being served toward uh, uh, the glory of the of, of the church, the the or the restoration of of um, the social kingship of Christ, things like that, which we should all. I'm pretty sure we're all on the on the same page about. I'm gonna channel my inner broomer, CT. Amen, brother, <laughs> as they would say. Uh. And I mean, that's a little bit like uh, kind of stra- uh, straying away a little bit, but it's true. You have to think about And so like I have criticisms towards Altman. I have criticisms. I have severe criticisms towards Vigano. Okay. But you, the way you criticize is not in a vacuum. And it's just like, well, you know, obedience, you know, what, excuse that, uh, what, what father, uh, what father, um, Altman is doing and it's just like okay what has he done and plus the other thing of it is is what he's done is all he's done is be mean and like made jokes from the pulpit which priests do all the time oh gosh do priests have some horrible jokes during (laughs) sermons well look and the worst part of it I think fundamentally my criticism is conflating their their uh to varying degrees, legitimate criticisms of Father Altman, conflating those with uh, the with le- legitimizing the um, penalties he's undergoing, as as if there's any real overlap. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is it's also that Father Altman. You know, calling his bishop a tyrant and Nazis and stuff, that's that's kind of cringe. That's cringy, okay? But he's just he's violating obedience. I don't know. He's, he's doing what he should do, which is he is pursuing canonical recourse. 
and he's probably going to get destroyed, but, like, he's not... It, there's no equivalent whatsoever. It is not two children complaining about one uh, swearing uh, and uh, he was punishment, but the other is uh, is writing on the walls. No, the other is trying to burn the house down and, like, decapitates a new cat that mom brings home every week. Yep. Okay. That's that's and like and if you're a bystander watching this, you're not going to be like, hmm. Well, so well, he did say those bad words, and I know you know decapitating the cat and and poisoning <laughs> parents. You know that's objectively worse, but I mean the excesses on both sides. You know, it's, <laughs> and it's just kind of like, come on, have some perspective. Um. Oh yeah, you had some stuff about so uh, Kev, Kevin, Mr. Simons, Mr. Kevin Simons, uh, talked about how uh, Father Altman. I, I think I think he made a joke because it reads like a joke about it what, was a joke. Yeah, that that God did not make women priests because you can't know what they're thinking and you don't want them talking about whether they look fat in this cassock or this dress and so on. And it's just like. And Kevin was like, that is extremely sexist, and I know lawyers. And it's like, Mr. Simons, I'm sorry I called you Kevin. Mr. Simons, take a chill pill, bro. Let, let the doctor of Albert the Great, Albertus Magnus, read by classical theists, give some perspective okay. here. So, here's just a couple of things that St. Albert the Great says about women. We're actually just one thing. He says, these passions of the sexes are more noticeable in the human than in any other animal. For the human of all animals comes closer to reaching perfection of nature. Thus, that which in another animal is deflected from uh, natural uh, perfection is the more um, noticeable in the human. Therefore, in humans, the woman is more easily inclined to piety, that is, goodwill than is the man and she cries more quickly and is more jealous and more contentious um disputatious and argumentative she takes delight in chastising that is laying blame and there's greater wickedness of soul in a woman than in a man she also has weak hope that is weak faithfulness is a greater liar than a man and is shameless she is easily deceived um, since she has bad judgment but she does not, from her uh, congealing and constricting coldness, something, or rather, I should say, but she does have, from her congealing and constricting coldness, something of a good memory for evils. And because her body neither consumes nor repels superfluity um, from itself, she is slow and sluggardly. So, I mean... And all things considered, that is extremely mild as far as many of the luminaries in church history go <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean just like read like saint jerome i don't have any quotes in hand i oh, this gosh. is just to say this is just to say i mean and i know that like, you, you could say like uh, saint albert isn't isn't necessarily trying to say that every single woman is necessarily susceptible to those generalities but it is to say that look if, if saint albert the great can say that and um be a saint yeah <laughs> and 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 enjoy the vision of god for all eternity and be among the greatest saints of the, and doctors of the church father altman can make a little joke about 
what is it? Uh, women wanting us to read their minds, okay? Yeah, it's uh, let's have some perspective. And I know that Lofton's retort could be something like, well, I'm focusing on the bad and the rats. It's like, okay, man, I hate in the colloquial sense. I wish him well. I will him the good. But I dislike, I don't like Taylor Marshall's ministry either, okay? But it's like, I can walk and chew gum at the same time here, all right? Um, and you don't have to... <laughs> Father Altman, it, 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 Bishop Hall- Callahan is not being based and righteous in censoring Father Altman. And I know, like, if it turns out that Father Altman, like, is a meth head and has a mistress and, you know, uh, occasionally would sell, uh, you know, a, a, a sacred chalice to the pawn shop for crack... Okay. Still better than James Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but if, if 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 I find stuff out that he's like another Father Karapi and Steve Skojic was right, okay, fine, whatever. But yeah, we will we will publicly like recant. Yeah, but what wait what I won't recant is that it's like it's not worth attacking people. But yeah, like it's like oh you know but. If he turns out to be an ad bad actor, then that means that there were other things at play. But due to the way that the situation appears now, chill out. Um, see how it plays out. His canonical representation. Yeah, fundamentally, there's just no need to like step in front of the camera and blast uh, Father Altman and legitimize the canonical attacks against him. I mean, if if you want to if you want to criticize Father Altman, fine. But I, I just think it's it's it, it it strikes as very tone deaf and um, Basically, what was the word you use? Mm-hmm. And and the thing of it is, even we won't talk about this more. But like even you know, uh, Kevin Simons's take on critical race theory uh, a couple streams back. You know, it's like don't be so politically oblivious. You know, just because yeah. just because capitalism is bad and such doesn't mean that you have to be an American Solidarity Party member or whatever. Right. Um, they are so unbelievably gay. They are very cringy. I believe they are very cringy too. Um, so that's that's that. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll link to the stream so that our viewers can watch it and uh, watch it. Do not harass anyone. Be polite. Be professional. And uh, be courteous. Yeah, I mean, if a dialogue comes out of this, I think that would be, like, the best outcome. Yeah, you know, um, but we'll see. Uh, so, uh, we referenced early on, and so this is our last point of discussion, um, that Father Thomas Reese, editor-in-chief of America Magazine, and a man who has many connections to the Vatican, I believe he has an official title in some way, The water I'm drinking is his desalinated tears. And that is because he had a wonderful thread that gave a lot of hope. Why don't you read just the one tweet you retweeted, CT? All right, just a sec. Let me go get it. Okay, so here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, yeah. So I'll, I'll read a couple tweets up because I think it's... I'll just read the whole thing. It's short. I'll just read the whole, the whole thread. Yeah. So... So he says, um, basically, this is all...
under under the the heading of his article, which is that which is the beginning of the end of the Francis papacy. That that's his title, and he says. Although he appears to be recovering from his surgery, the hospitalization of Pope Francis marks the beginning of the end of his papacy. Time is running out. Francis is 84 years of age, and it will be miraculous if he is able to continue as Pope for another five years. So that's a big statement coming from someone like this. Um, like, you would think, like, if, if I read that statement on Twitter, I, I would think it's from, like, uh, Anthony Stein or something like that. Um you know, just to say that 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 sounds like a phrase or, or a statement you'd hear from Tradline, but no, this is coming from 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 a top yeah. Jesuit, uh, Thomas Reese. One of the premier, you could say, one of the premier liberal Catholics in the country. Yes. So he goes on to say, as a pastor, Francis has caught the imagination of the world with his compassion and openness to all people. He has put love, especially love for the poor, center stage in his preaching of the gospel. As a world, I mean, it's hard to, to read through this. It's so <laughs> insufferable. But as a world leader, he has put his papacy squarely on the side of migrants and refugees, and he has been a prophetic voice against global warming and the excesses of capitalism. In short, Francis has rebranded his papacy for the 21st century with a pastoral, prophetic, and inclusive voice. Where he has been less successful is in winning over the clerical establishment, his vision for the church. In his eight years as Pope, Francis has hardly uh, dented the clerical establishment that he inherited. Um, bishops who employ Francis's values make up only 20 to 40 of the 223 active U.S. bishops. I'm not sure if that's fully true. Um, maybe it is. And among the clergy, Francis receives his greatest support among the older priests who are dying off rather than younger ones who are the future of the church. You can tell that he's... he's like, the tears that you're drinking came from him typing that one out. Um, finding young candidates for the priesthood, meanwhile, who support Francis and want to be celibate, is looking is like looking for Catholic unicorns. As a result, the laity who are encouraged to come to church because they like Francis are unlikely to find him in their parishes or dioceses. Uh, if his papacy is reckoned a failure, it will be because Francis failed to replace or outlast the clerical establishment put in place by John Paul and Benedict. His papacy will only succeed if he is followed by popes who are in sync with his approach to Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, if only the world were that optimistic. Um, right away, which... Uh, Go ahead. I I think there's there's some optimism there. I think I think there's much of what he's saying that that rings true to me, which is that it, it does seem that you know, while there is no doubt a a, a strong uh, constituency of young priests who are who are quite um, progressive and uh, even if they're they're somewhat conservative, they're 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 definitely insufficiently conservative. They're definitely like they do represent, I think, a strong constituent. Nevertheless, I do think that among the younger clergy, um, partly I think due to what Thomas Reese is um, is articulating about celibacy, I, I think I, I think that if you are a 
normally developed straight man. Normal. And yeah, yeah, normal man. And, and you are totally willing to sacrifice uh, the prospects of marriage and family life and just a, a total repudiation of, of the sexual appetite for sincerely and authentically religious reasons and, and pious reasons so that you would enter the priesthood. Um, I think you're much more likely to be of, of a, a conservative uh, disposition because you, it, that is an, an indication that, that you truly do believe this stuff and, and, that, and that you want to enter into the church for noble uh, spiritual reasons. Right. Yeah, and, and we're long past the gays, the, the days where gays need a cover. Yes. Right? And and priesthood provides a respectable cover for uh, that uh, little gay boy who. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't at all anymore. Marry. It and, doesn't and, and at all. And the prestige of the priesthood is gone. I mean, the prestige of the priesthood of that sort is dependent on their reputation as heterosexual. Uh, <laughs> even that's gone, and also gays don't really need a cover, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. There's that, that fact, too. I mean, they, they can just, like, join, like, San Francisco clubs or whatever. I actually had an epiphany about all this. They want married priests. The reason why certain people uh, are pushing so hard for married priest is because they want. This is a pro. This is this is a this is a hypothesis. Okay, I don't have any evidence, but this epiphany just came to me. Okay, they want married priests because they want the church to swell with retired liberal boomers who will become deacons and priests but with family and then will recruit basically the youth who follow Father Casey on YouTube. I, I, think, there's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. That's actually, you know what? I used to be somewhat friendly to the idea of ordaining married men. I, I, I used to be. Every, but you just completely and utterly destroyed <laughs> any freaking sympathies I had for that. That is horrifying. And what they would do, too, is... is, is so, this assuming my hypothesis has some modicum of um, truth to it, what they would do is they would have a fast-track, basically, associates program for these old boomers to become priests. Yeah. Oh. And if if you don't think that like they're capable of, of doing this, uh, yeah. lots of weird institutional nonsense has happened in the church before. Um in terms of abbreviating a seminarian's time, especially if it's just and what they would do too is they would dig I can imagine this is my apocalypse scenario, okay? They would dig up the old worker priest rhetoric. And talk about how all these retired used car salesmen and these, like, retired um, school teachers can, like, keep a job while having a stipend from the church. And so even the boomers that aren't retired will be allowed to work and be priests with their wife and basically drive to the parish like it's a job. 
that is just that is horrifying. I, I, I think that that's real. I think that's real. I think that's what they're thinking. I, I get it now. I finally see I see why they so frantically push for this. It's not merely because they don't like celibacy. It's because they think that's the only way to save their movement. That's the only chance liberal Catholicism has. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, I think Th- Thomas Reese is right. Uh, Long term, precisely because of what Terillion was saying about like the 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 in, the the inviability of of the Catholic Church as a cover for like clandestine homosexuals, that those days are over, and because those days are over, um, what kind of men are going to be drawn to set to like legitimately? What kind of normal men are going to be legitimately drawn to celibacy? The ones who were true believers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's true. Um, but uh, we'll go for like maybe a couple of minutes more. But you, you wanted me to talk about some Pope stuff, right, CT, other than this? Because yeah. this, 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 this post an article by uh, Rev, the Reverend, the very Reverend Father Thomas Reese, as they would call, say him, because he's an editor-in-chief, so he would be the very Reverend Father. But his uh, comments brought to mind some thoughts that you wanted to get out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because ultimately, uh, the well, what this article is getting at is that Francis's days are numbered, and if Francis's days are numbered, then what does that, that mean? That means that there's there's, there's a conclave looming. Yeah, and I know yep. that you have a lot of insight into um, Vatican politics uh, and potential papabile. Yeah, Papapolai for our um, uh, newly initiated listeners means one who is considered pope-able, makeable into a pope, um, one who is electable, who is you know who can be uh, elected and is likely to be elected. Yeah, um, I think so. I I was kind of I wasn't making light of it, but when um, Cardinal Cornelius Sim died this past fall. Uh, this last winter, actually, of cancer. Um, eternal rest grant unto him, Lord. And may perpetual light shine upon him. Uh, but I, I, his death made me look at the, the cardinals that Francis promotes. And he does things where it's like he'll make people from Brunei, where, you know, um, Cornelius, uh, Cardinal Sim was from, and Cardinal in Morocco, Cardinal in Panama uh so on and so forth and you know as the henry sire thesis goes that you know he does this to ensure that they owe him favors and that you know his legacy will be secure um because you know francis is primarily not a theological actor and as we've said constantly uh but he's mostly in his own mind i think a geopolitical one as we've discussed which means that he does have concerns for does have concerns with his legacy, um, even though he's actually been very bad at building it because he's alienated a lot of the people that elected him. Um, but the people and you know so uh, Cornelius Sim died and that's actually bad because he would have voted for a good pope, 
he would have voted for someone like Sarah or Ulet or um, Cardinal Scola, you know. Uh. And so his passing was actually really unfortunate. Um, you know, contrast him with Cardinal Ribat of Papua New Guinea. Uh, he, along with you know uh, Cardinal Turkson, uh, who is an African. I'm spacing on which country. Um, is he a is he a Frank from Francophone? Africa, or is he from Anglophone Africa? Google can tell me. Uh, but uh, people like Cardinal Turkson and Cardinal Ribot are very much so on board with, like, the UN and uh, climate uh, change um, legislation and, like, carbon taxes and, you know, so, so on and so forth. Um, was Ghana colonized by the French, Tyrrhelian? Yeah. But it was owned by the UK, so the UK conquered it. Oh, maybe it was by England. I don't know. Okay. Africa. I, I don't care about African countries. They're all the same to me. <laughs> That's racist. That's not yeah. true. You must become more like Hakan. And I could. I could. I could. No, I mean, I'm talking about the countries. I'm not talking about the races. I mean, I could tell. I could tell. I, I could tell a Kenyan from a Sudanese any day. I'm just talking about the countries. Okay. Right. They're all the same to me. I can't fill a map of Africa. I could fill a map of any other place, but not Africa. Those the borders are basically arbitrary anyway, as as we discussed a couple nights ago, actually. Um, but uh, Cardinal Turkson's from Ghana, which I'm seeing on Wikipedia got its independence in 1957. So uh, that's 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 interesting to me. Uh, it was, but it's 70 percent. Oh no. It is a minority Catholic. It is 13% Catholic, 46.7% Protestant. So that actually makes sense. Oh, that's why Turkson's so bad, because he's from an Anglophone African country. He is not based. He is a lib. He has been infected with the Anglican mind virus, crypto-Protestantism. Um, but why I brought up Turkson and Cardinal Ribat, if you're following me, is that um, Turkson from Ghana, Ribat from Papua New Guinea are very pro what we could call nwo very pro clinton foundation un carbon taxes all that stuff um turkson even called for a global monetary organization to uh global public authority and a central world bank to rule over financial institutions uh that have become outdated and effective in dealing fairly with crises um his text was very specific, calling for taxation measures on financial transactions. Um, and he's doing this, you know, to be against neoliberalism, but, like, nothing exists in a vacuum. Um, contrast that with someone like Cardinal Seurat, who does come from the global south and the third world, and Cardinal Cornelius, the, the recently departed Cornelius Sim. Um, it's, they are very much so part of what you could call the right of the church and the peripheries. Um, and so just because a lot of uh, Francis has created a lot of cardinals, there's no guarantee that they will vote his way. Um, I keep mentioning Cardinal Cornelius Sim, who is the cardinal from the kingdom of Brunei. Um, he um, was a graduate of the Franciscan University of Steubenville in the 80s. And so he was very much so a JP2 style conservative. It's kind of funny. Like, if Francis really wanted to solidify his legacy, he should have just elevated a bunch of Germans. 
Uh, but that that's the thing is he hates them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, talk about um talk about sour grapes, you know. Um and so uh I I guess uh another thing to keep in mind is is that, you know, um the I mean the the Benevacontists like to go on forever and ever and ever about how not that anyone who's here would be that uninitiated, but a Benevacontist is someone who believes that the election of Pope Francis was not valid and that Benedict XVI um, is still the validly elected pope. It's basically like the, 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 the pure platonic form of cope. Yeah, I I hate to say that, but actually I don't hate to say that Benevacontists in some ways are more crazy than the old school setties like Father Cicada. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Well, because they believe in like a four D chess QAnon theory. That, yeah, they like, believe like they they really do believe they they believe that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth has this secret level where he pulled some like weird. Like Bonaventurian jujitsu, uh, in 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 order to like relinquish uh, like one formality of of the office while keeping another formality of the office, which makes the like, the magisterium pristine and the hermeneutic of continuity intact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now so, there's there's fissures in that milieu too, since Vigano has kind of gone very anti-Vatican II to a extent that is not really uh, rational. Like, like they believe that, like, Benedict, when he dies, we're, we're going to find this letter, and, and we're going to, like, find out that that that, that Francis's papacy was, was totally... It, it would be... We talked about this a little bit pre-show. It would be, like, one of the worst-case scenarios if if Benedict the Sixteenth shortly outlives Pope Francis, it'll be worse. Uh, there, the, the mass apostasies from the Q cult. Uh, anyone that has boomer parents or just older parents knows how traumatic it was for them. Well, to... they might actually see that as like a vindication. Oh, because like because that would basically that would basically like prove that that francis's well it wouldn't prove but it would at least give them maybe some degree of like empirical verification that 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 that, that benedict his his true papacy outlived francis entirely okay right you're right um well and they would and they would just say like oh they destroyed the letter they they yeah. they got to, so that who knows where they would be at at that point um but you were you wanted from me i recall in the pre-show we talked about a more solid uh prognostication of who the pope next pope could be yeah and uh i like all hobbyists like like all independent journalists i'm not just a podcaster i'm an independent journalist uh if if uh if that guy who used to have the Judge Dread Abbey that kept talking about how he smoked crack with that Kantbot documentary chick, if he could call himself an independent 
defense expert, then I can call myself an independent journalist. It's only fair. Um, but like any good person in, interested in Vatican stuff, I fatly, flatly refuse to name a specific person because there's a lot of variables. Like you were saying, like, the College of Cardinals is like almost one and a half times larger than the Senate floor in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things going on there. Um, but what I did say to you in our conversation before the show, which is a, a lot of the show is just us repeating ourselves, by the way. We're frauds. We, we, we practice this beforehand just so that everyone knows. Um, but what I said to you and what I'll say again. It's called rehearsing. Th- that, would be, that makes us a frauds. Trillion. that's informal rehearsing okay <laughs> it's okay uh, we don't memorize what we're gonna say we just go over what we're gonna say <laughs> we're gonna start doing it a day earlier too so that these go more smoothly uh but with regards to the pope uh, i'm not gonna make a concrete prediction because there's many many cardinals with many many different angles and um on top of that sometimes someone buys a nobody cardinal a scoop of gelato when they're on a break and as they hand the this old cardinal who's voting in his first conclave but he'll only get to vote for one because he's like 79 he says like vote for scola and he'll be like hey and then he'll like lick his gelato and be like that man gave me an ice cream cone he was very nice so i will vote for cardinal scola that that's that's what happens but what we talked about was edward penton's book uh the next pope where he has ridiculous predictions like um what was it cardinal burke was number two i I, are these ranked by most likely so no he does not explain his ranking system that go that's going into what we were uh were uh what I'm gonna discuss. But so palpabile, uh, go to the Wikipedia article of those that are following along for the uh Wikipedia article on Papabile. And I want you to go down and scroll down to Edward Penton's book, Papabile, the Future Colony, and you see that Angelo uh Bagnasco is number one and then Carl <coughs> Oh my god. That was terrifying. COVID, man. COVID. Uh, you're, you were, you're, you're, do you actually have COVID? No, I'm just kidding. Right? Okay. I was like, that's, that's quite a, quite a sneeze. Um, but he has Cardinal, uh, Bagnasco is number one. Cardinal Burke is number two. And then he has like Cardinal Mueller is number six. And obviously anyone that streams like, no, and this this climate, like, that's that's ridiculous that that's going to happen. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But what I, uh, we were talking about was that Edward Penton's book is really an attempt to rally the troops. Um, you know, the way Catholic publishing works is that anyone who's anyone usually ends up getting a free copy of the book the day before it's published in the mail. Um, I will say one thing mm-hmm. that kind of might lend credence to that. Mm-hmm. hypothesis this book is extremely well put together like aesthetically 
this book is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it has high like it's got to be like 4K definition pictures of each cardinal. Like it has a beautiful print of 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 their coat of arms. Um, it 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 gives you like almost like RPG stats <laughs> for each cardinal. Um, for, for like like liturgy or um like moral conservatism etc and the book is just put together in just a very aesthetically appealing and readable and accessible way yeah um and so what i was going to tie this to was in the 2014 synod on the family which in in some ways it was kind of like the event that started like the modern era of you know catholic division over francis um but uh morris letizia might not have happened had ignatius press gotten its book keeping to the truth of christ to all the people it wanted them to uh, because they actually mailed copies of this pro marriage defending the catholic understanding of of you know marital orthodoxy um to all the different uh peritas and council fathers at the synod on the family in 2014 and there was actually some like corrupt vatican post service skullduggery that basically like made it that these most of these people got their books if they weren't hand delivered to them like two weeks after the synod was over um and so um, what that tells us is it tells us that conservatives in a crisis are willing to basically fight through uh, words <laughs> and giving away free books. Um, because, you know, to kind of talk about Michael Lofton's comment, comment about like, oh, you know, people that don't know about the levels of magisterial assent, they're not worth in taking seriously. Well, I guess I don't have to listen to like two thirds of the bishops then. Because I bet they don't know what that is. And what what's the point of making and bringing that up well it's because if they don't know what that is then maybe having a really good and compelling presentation on you know why divorced and remarried civilly divorced and remarried catholics cannot receive the eucharist they might be convinced by a good book that has good arguments against that right right and so Penton is not I think Penton is being Jesuitical in in the best sense of the word in that his book is not a list of necessarily of the most likely popes of the most likely people to become popes but it is an attempt to build a coalition of conservatives and to warn um low information voting cardinals cardinals because there's going to be a ton of cardinals that this is their first conclave ever 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 and so this book is okay here are the good guys here are the bad guys it's it's literally an rpg strategy guide for, it really is for, it reads like that too for the conclave um and i mean we're like a small irrelevant podcast i mean whatever we can talk about this we're not really giving away the game i'm, I'm delighting in its brilliance um, and so uh, we were discussing that uh, Diane Montagna, who is a lovely lady who did the book-length interview with Cardinal Sarah, um, 
which if anyone knows Father Altman, buy him the uh, audible version of that. Um, but Cardinal Sarah talked to Diane Mantagna, so she's a big conservative Vaticanista luminary. And uh, Penton's book, The Next Pope, it was um, debuted by Sophia Institute Press. Sophia Institute Press published Taylor Marshall's Infiltration, which is a dreadful, awful book, but they obviously, Sophia Institute, published it for ideological, theo-ideological reasons, right? Right. Um, Sophia Institute Press is also owned by the Newman Guide School, Thomas More College of Liberal Arts. More and more layers there, right? More context. And so uh, Sophia Institute Press was who published Penton's book. Diane Montagna's hosting the live stream from Rome about uh, the book. Uh, and uh, who was their guest? None other than the great trad luminary Roberto Di Mattei, but also John Allen of <laughs> Crooks Now magazine. And um, I've, I've talked so long. Why don't you, because we talked about this before, CT, why don't you talk about what that's for yeah so what you know you're watching this um discussion take place between all of these like you said trad luminaries right uh or at the very least arch conservative um catholic pundits uh discussing about discussing edward penton's voice or edward penton's book rather (laughs) so and, and then, then you see John Allen. Now, who is John Allen? He's like, yes, he's like editor of Crux, but ideologically speaking, he's like center left. He's um, he's he often speaks of uh, Catholic theological issues as if there's like a legitimate left wing and right wing uh, position. He's like this radical centrist, even on issues like um, uh, homosexual acceptance, etc. So. Uh, you're wondering, well, what is this oddball doing here? And and I, I think um, uh, Night Aaron and I were talking about, it, and I think it's precisely to um, offer a sense of uh, legitimacy in neutrality on part of the book, even though John Allen will often, you know, counter signal elements of, of of the book he will he, he will definitely you know try to uh, insist that 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 there's there's some kind of conservative bias to it and you know i think that's undeniable i, I think uh, not even edward penton necessarily uh box at that but john allen's presence there kind of uh, legitimizes the uh, professionalism of the book so that i think and in that sense, it can kind of fulfill Penton's clandestine purpose for it. Our, our, our hypothesized, what we hypothesized to be his clandestine purpose. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. I, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I think deductive reasoning can be used. Um, but, but otherwise, like, what would justify putting Cardinal Burke and Cardinal Sarah in a book full of papabales? I mean, like... <laughs> right. Um, what... Um, What's funny to me, if you watch that live stream of the debut of the book, um, Penton just has the most... He has a grin like a cat that got the canary. 
like the whole time. Like every time Alan talks about conservatives, so what Alan would do is he would like compliment the journalism and then he'd say, well, you know, there's a lot of conservative favorites in this list. And every time Alan's That's a very good impression. <laughs> every time Alan says that, Penton just smiles. Like he just gives this smile just like he he he. That's the point. Uh, and it's not because I think that they, they can become Pope. It's because I think that people who read the book, they, it, it's just, again, we say it's a strategy guide to the conclave <laughs> with stats and everything. Somebody needs to make like a, like an RPG game based in conclave. What, what I can imagine is I can imagine like the Cardinal from like Indonesia with his two, his two assistants just like quivering in St. Peter's and they have the paperback copy and they're just flipping <laughs> through it, comparing pictures and like literally like seeing, like seeing Cardinal, um, let me see who, seeing Cardinal Turkson or no, seeing Cardinal O'Malley, that would be even more funny. And like just holding up the picture to like compare it to his actual face. Is that that, is that, that guy? That's it's that guy. Okay. Okay. Move on. We're looking for Turkson. Turkson Black. Not, not, not from America, and <laughs> just to figure it out. Um, but well, then, look at the back of the book. The back of the book has quotes from like Raymond Arroyo, Father Murray, uh, like it, 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 it's kind of, and you know, it has this uh, quotation: "Substantial, well written, and well resourced by Bishop Strickland." So, like, this is, this is clearly a rallying cry for like conservative-minded prelates. Yeah. And so, you know, if you uh, if you have a cardinal that is a JP2 style conservative in your era area, uh, whether you be from the Far East or South America, um, get them the book <laughs> if they didn't get a free copy. And if they have two copies, then that reinforces that this is a really good resource. Because the thing is, like a lot of these third world cardinals, they they they're so uh bogged down in, in in the daily affairs of their diocese that they, they on the face of it they, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between like cardinal Schoenborn or uh cardinal olay in terms of like ideology in terms of uh or political uh, position or yeah or, or like yeah exactly for instance for instance although cardinal O'Malley and Cardinal Seanborn are currently center-left. They do not have the same goals and aims and personalities in any way whatsoever. Right. And someone who's a total outsider to the horrible, <laughs> deadly vagaries and fine points of Vatican politics will not know that. So, but that was a, that's a fun thing to, to discuss. Um, the next conclave is going to be great. We're gonna live stream it. <laughs> That's a yeah. promise. We'll we, yeah. we'll 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 take donations so that we don't have to work those days. Uh, <laughs> we will. Um, the other thing too, though, John Allen said something. I, John Allen is kind of like your cringing uncle that like gives you like fifty dollars for your birthday every year. Yeah. Because it's like, while I, I, while John Allen of Crooks Now magazine, where we discuss the finer points of the Catholic faith, while he's not like my ally, I really appreciate his podcast just for the twenty-five minute word vomit of information. 
that it gives you, and no one else really does that so succinctly. So I do owe him. Uh, we owe him thanks for he's, that. He's basically doing. He's basically um, uh, contributing to like. Um, e-racist catholic discourse yes it's very important if you don't listen to john allen's last week john in the church allen, john allen endorses into baron <laughs> that, that that's, that's that's what we're trying to say that's what we're trying to say john allen listens religiously uh he's even a donor even though we don't have a patreon set up um he's secretly based um <laughs> oh yeah he he knows the relevant facts he yeah. knows um, but something he said, I guess, as a last word, because the reason we're talking about this is because Francis just got out of the hospital. And if you look at the picture of him that uh, Reverend Father Thomas Reese posted uh, as a part of his religion news article, uh, Francis looks like he's aged like half a decade just from this yeah. day in the hospital. Uh, so uh, Francis's um, health, and this is the last thing I'm saying on the matter. Um, John Allen said something very important, which is that journalists always over-exaggerate how bad any doctor's appointment or, or important health thing that happens to a pope. And the Vatican under-emphasizes everything. And so, like, the two official sources of inf information are both over-exaggerating and under-emphasizing what's actually going on. So it, yeah, always keep that in mind. But um, this was fun. Um, I think this will be the last grande-sized cafe in Taberna. Uh, we will return to the stated forty-five to fifty-five minute, which I don't think we've ever gotten to. No, we haven't. But this is a resolution <laughs> to do it. Uh, and uh, in Taberna proper, we'll come back and it will we'll, we'll not just do guest shows into Baron a proper rule do you have rambling conversations like this uh in uh for that but um i want to thank uh my two contributors uh ct and monsieur terrillon uh good friends of mine really good guys um you can find them on twitter in the notes page and remember, if you watch Michael Lofton stream, don't harass him. Be polite. Remember 2014 Gamergate rules, the first phase before everyone got edgy. Um, that Boy, that dates me. But uh, I'll let the zither music take everyone out, and uh, we'll all say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Bye.